Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, let's get into the scriptures here. We're looking at the life of Samuel. We are in a sermon series, and uh, somebody asked me, when, how much longer will the sermon series go on? I never have an answer for that one. So um, we are still in it today, and we will probably be in it for the next couple of weeks here, but we are looking at the life of Samuel, and last week we looked at, at Samuel's challenging words to his people. If you were here last week, we looked at how God's people had gone to battle with the Philistines and how they had brought the Ark of the Covenant, which is a super big deal. They brought that to the battle because they thought this Ark will save us in our times of trouble, and God's people completely get destroyed, and the Ark of the Covenant gets taken. And the Philistines have it, and the Philistines realize we can't have this thing. A bunch of bad things happen to them. So they give the Ark of the Covenant back to God's people. And the Bible says that God's people mourned for 20 years. 20 years they mourned after God. And then Samuel stands up and gives his first recorded message that we have within the Scriptures. And Samuel stands up and challenges them. If you are coming back to the Lord then serve him and serve him only and get rid of all of these other gods. And we just talked about how God's people constantly struggle. They constantly struggle with letting the cultural gods of the day influence who they are. And then they, they will at times say, yes, we trust in the one true God, but their lifestyle looked like everyone else. And God, God's challenge and Samuel's challenge was get rid of these cultural gods. Get rid of them. Who do you trust in? Who do we trust in? And so I challenged us last week as we look at our culture and some of our cultural gods that that we have, and sad, statistically, many people who attend church add in some of these cultural new age beliefs into their own personal system. And my challenge to us was we serve the Lord and we serve Him only. Well, today we are going to be looking at, personally, one of my favorite accounts as you look at the life of Samuel. We are going to be looking at Samuel chapter 8, and I don't think there could be any better timing for this chapter and for this aspect of Samuel's life and what happens here than the time that we are living in today, and specifically in the season we are living in right now. So I'm going to ask for you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. And I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, and you need to get those knees a little bit loose. You may want to bend them a little bit, because we're going to read the entire chapter. I was thinking about how do we break this up, but the entire chapter is this entire account of what God's people are going through and Samuel's words to them. So 1 Samuel chapter 8, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Verse 4, Then the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel in Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you are old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king 
to judge us like all the nations. But this displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all of the deeds they have done from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots, to be his horsemen, to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be performers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your field, the vineyards and olive orchards. He will give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards will give it to the officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your flock and you shall be his slaves." And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourself, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Verse 19, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all the words of the people, he repeated them to the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. Let us pray. Father, we come, Lord, as we look at this account in your word. Father, may you challenge us today. Lord, may you bring some encouragement to our lives. Lord, remind us of who you are today, Lord. Father, my prayer is that we will see you clearly and that we will honor you, Lord. Lord, I lift up this time. I ask for your spirit to be working on our hearts and minds. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated here. So we get the context of what is taking place here. The opening verses of this chapter lets us know what the situation is at hand. Samuel had a couple of sons, and Samuel had appointed these sons to be judges over areas within Israel. Now, at this time, Israel was not ruled by a physical king. They had judges, and then you can read the book of Judges and find out how the judges operated there. But you get the context that there is a problem. 1 Samuel 8.3, his sons, yet his sons, says this, did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. It's interesting how Samuel's sons are not good. The Bible makes that clear, that, that their intentions, that they went after gains instead of doing what the Lord had asked them to do, 
They decided to serve themselves. And they decided to leverage their position as sons of Samuel for personal gain. My dad is the judge of Israel. And now his dad appointed them to be judges in areas. And they used their advantage, Scripture says, to pervert justice and for their own personal gain. Now, what's truly sad about these opening lines is that if you remember, and if you have read 1 Samuel, Samuel's mentor, Eli, Eli mentored Samuel from a young boy and raised him up. Eli's sons were just like Samuel's sons. It's like you've got this great man as their leader, but the sons end up perverting justice and going after their own personal gain. Now, we don't know why this took place. Maybe Samuel was just too busy at the temple all of the time. Maybe he just wasn't around much, but we do know, we know that Samuel's sons did not walk in the ways of their father. And the people, the people saw this and the people wanted a change. It says this in 1 Samuel verses 4 and 5, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and Ramah, and they said, behold, You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us. I can see this conversation playing out. Samuel, you're old. For all you older people here, I hope this conversation never happens to you. Somebody like one of your relatives come up and say, listen, you're just getting old, and we got a problem here. But that really wasn't the issue. They looked at Samuel and they said, they recognized Samuel's getting to the end of his life. And they were looking at what was coming up after Samuel. It was his boys. And they're looking at his boys and they're like, this is not good. Samuel, we got a serious problem here. You're getting older. You're about to be moving on. And your boys, they literally said, your boys do not walk in your ways. They recognized it that, hey, these boys, they don't measure up to our current leader. And then I can see the tone in their voice change. Then they say, now, Samuel, since you're moving on and your boys are no good, give us a king. And that hits Samuel like a ton of bricks. And we know that because in verse 6, it says this, but this thing displeased Samuel. When they said, give us a king, and Samuel prayed to the Lord. God's people looked at their judge at the time, looked at their ruler at the time, the one who was in charge of them, and they just rejected him. At least that's how Samuel felt. Samuel felt, I've failed. My kids, they're not even doing well. And now the elders of the people are coming to me, and they don't even want me here anymore either. Samuel felt utterly rejected on the inside. Maybe he felt like he had just completely failed them. But the Lord tells them, don't, don't, don't be feeling that way, Samuel. And the Lord said to Samuel in verse 7, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. Samuel, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. You can see that the Lord wanted to bring encouragement to Samuel. Samuel, it's not you. You may feel like it's you. Yep, your sons did not turn out how you had hoped. Yep, they're not good. 
But Samuel, they have rejected me. And I find this so fascinating, church, because last week, we just got done reading chapter 7 last week. In chapter 7, they just had 20 years of mourning after the Lord. They had just had this revival take place in their land, and Samuel stands up and they turn from their idols, they get rid of these cultural gods within them, and they get rid of them, and they turn back to the Lord. And now here, one chapter later, now we do know that some time had moved on, they reject the Lord again. It's like they just saw, and they had seen over and over how the Lord had taken care of them, how the Lord truly was the king. And the Lord says, Samuel, they have rejected me. Sure, Samuel's sons, I do believe, played an influence here to where, the, the, to where God's people, they start looking around and their season of being faithful to the king was pretty much over. But, and they had looked around and they had looked at the nations around them and said, well, look at these other nations. Look at these guys. Look at my neighbors. They've got a king. This whole king idea sounds like a really good plan. If we can just get a king, Samuel, all of our worries, they will be taken care of. We just got to get a king. But the Lord points out the real core issue. Verses 8 and 9. According to all the deeds that they have done, From the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they're also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who who shall reign over them. And we talked about this last week, church family, a lot. God's people constantly have this struggle. The struggle happened back then. The struggle happens today is that God's people will have seasons of being faithful, and then eventually they just reject their king. And God says right here, Samuel, from the day I brought him up out of Egypt, from from the time I brought him up through Moses and I parted that Red Sea and I had a cloud that led them and they saw all these miraculous signs, Samuel, my people, they're not always faithful. And right now, They have rejected me once again, Samuel. And they have turned and they want to be like everyone else. But the Lord tells Samuel something here, which I find to be so interesting. Samuel, obey their voice. Don't you guys find that just a little bit interesting that how these people are coming to the Lord and coming to Samuel complaining and God's like, okay, all right, we're going to let it play out. Samuel, we're just going to let this let this play out on, on what they want. But the Lord says, but warn them. You want to be like everyone else? You think that you can do it better? You want a king just like everyone else? Well, here is the warning to you. And God gives it to him. 1 Samuel 10 or 8.10. It says this, Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. Verse 11, it says, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to whose chariots? To his chariots. And be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties. 
and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be performers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your field, the vineyards, the olive orchards, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain of your vineyards and give it to your officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your flock and you shall be his slave. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourself. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. I love how the Lord tells Samuel, Samuel, obey him. But warn them. Let them know this is what this is going to look like. You guys really want this. You really want a king. You really want to look like everyone else around you. Okay. Your sons will be taken. Your daughters will be taken. The king it will take the best from you. He's taken a tenth of it all. And he will take what, what you have. And who is he going to give it to? He's going to give it to his own servants. He's literally going to turn you into slaves. And the last line, that whole slaves line, you will be his slaves. Because of the heavy burden your king will put on you, you, God's people, will no longer be free. See, they were free at this point. We need to like comprehend that here. God's people in this time, in this moment, the Lord was their king. He had judges, some good, some bad. But at the end of the day, the king of Israel was the Lord. And the people said, we don't want this anymore. We don't want you, Lord. We think, because we've been looking around, we've been doing a little bit of polling, we've been doing a little bit of research, and we're looking at these other nations, and these other nations are looking really good because they got a king. And, these, and this whole king idea sounds like a great idea. But the Lord gave them this warning. You want this king, then the king can defend you. That's how the Lord ends it here. You want a king? There, there's going to come a day where the people are going to realize our kings are bad and they are not good upon us. And, they, and, and literally, God warns them, you are going to cry out on that day. And God's going to say, you chose a king. Let the king save you. And it's so fascinating, church. His people, God's people, they wanted someone to rule over them. This is something that we need to recognize as human beings. You and I are actually meant to be ruled by someone. You may not think that way because I know this is the American culture and we think, Pastor, I'm free and I'm, no one rules over my life. Um, you're wrong. You were actually created to be ruled. However, there's a system. Which system is going to rule us? Is it going to be the Lord? Or is it going to be man? Because that's pretty much what is happening here. They choose, they want man's system. Lord, we don't really want to be ruled by you anymore. We don't really, it's not really working out for us. So we want man to rule. They want man's lordship on their lives. 
they have rejected the king's lordship, and they only want the system of man. But they got warned. And they cried out, and they said, we want a king. And in 1 Samuel 8, 19, it says, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. I just want to stop right there. Didn't they hear the warning? Church, what did I just read? What was the warning? The king's going to take from you. Your sons are going to battle. They're going to be taking the best of what you have. These people are so delusioned and so caught up into this. This system is what we want. They literally believe in their hearts and in their minds. The king will go to battle. Our king will judge us and go before us and fight our battles. And Samuel had just got done warning them. Hey guys, this king isn't going to really protect you. The whole system that you're buying into right now, it's not going to actually play out what you're thinking. But they got warned and it was like they didn't even listen to Samuel's voice. It's like Samuel just, he laid out pretty clearly, this is what is going to happen. And then they cry out and they say, the king, he'll judge us and he'll go out to battle. And it was like they had no idea. They were not paying attention to any of God's warning. And Samuel, in verse 21, Samuel heard the words of the people and he repeated them to the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. They were warned. They were absolutely warned on what was about to take place. And God's people, they just like blew right through that warning. You know how sometimes in life you will get warnings and you're like, "Ah, I should probably listen to that warning. Sometimes in life you feel like I had no warning and just trouble came upon me. Here, God's people had a very clear warning. This is what will happen if you go down this road. And they still, we want our king. We will trust in our king, and we believe this king is going to save us. Now, I mentioned earlier, I don't think there's any better time to look at this scripture than to right now. Can you guess why I would say that? Any thoughts? Frank? Frank's laughing. He gets it. Do you see where I'm going here, Frank, today? A little bit. Guys, we're in the midst of a political season, aren't we? Has anyone here seen any political ads? Maybe. Some of them. Sometimes. Political season is always a great season. Uh, It's one of my personal favorite seasons of life. Mainly for the memes and the jokes. Um, I'm not going to lie, I find them to be pretty funny. And if you've got some good political memes, send them my way. I'd love to be seeing them. But we are in that season where I feel like we have to remind ourselves as believers in Christ and believers in who our King is, we call Him the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of our lives. We have to remind ourselves because the political season we are in, it's easy to get lost in it. Now, if you know me, you know that I love politics. I love following politics. I love reading about politics. I'm not ashamed. Some people are like, oh, pastor, you shouldn't be even thinking about politics. I enjoy it. I always have from a very young age, 
enjoyed the whole political system, the whole political process. And I think, church, it's highly important for you as U.S. citizens to vote and to participate in the political process. You should absolutely understand what is happening, what's going on within our political leaders, what they stand for, what do they not stand for. These are all important aspects because my wife and I talk about this one often. The political process does matter within our lives because the policies will eventually affect our lives and they will eventually affect our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives. So policy and all this, it truly does matter. And I do think that we should be informed and you should study up and you should be taking action and you should be speaking out against evils and against the craziness that, that is, is happening out there. However, I get passionate. And if you've been with me, you know how passionate I can get in this area. However, at the end of the day, who is our king? Because we have to ask ourselves that. It's easy to get caught up in this, in this political season, right? It's easy to get passionate and to be like, we got to get this. We got, you know, we can totally go down those roads. However, which system do we trust in as a, a believer? Do we trust in the political system or do we trust in our king? Now, we have to live in this political system, and I think that we should be praying for our nation, praying for God's hand to be upon us, praying that good policies take place. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, church, I have to ask myself this. Lord, I get worked up. I get passionate. But Lord, who do I trust? Which system do I put my faith in? Is my faith solely in the Lord and in the King? Or do I sometimes get so worked up and so passionate that I'm venturing into trusting in the political system that we live in? And I share this, church family, because I know what it's like. And you guys who know me know, yeah, yeah pastor does get pretty worked up over some of this craziness, and he's not afraid to be talking about it. I'm not. However, when I think about our leaders, and when I really, really think about them, I just think, okay, I get all worked up about different things, and maybe some of you do as well. But at the end of the day, I just think, which leader really loves me? And I truly like, mean this question. Do I really think the governor and the president wake up thinking about me? Really? I mean, like, I mean, like if, we, if we actually just step back and, and literally think, who takes care of me? Who provides for me? Who has given me different gifts and talents so I can work and provide in this world? See, the Lord back then, and I would argue till today, the Lord takes care of his people, period. He loves his people. He cares for his people. He provides for his people. And I just think sometimes we can get so caught up and we have to remind ourselves who our king is. Which system are we going to trust in? I'm not telling you not to sit home and not vote and not participate. You should participate. I want to see Christians at the highest level within every political system that we have. 
Because I believe Christians, Christians who submit to Christ understand that the Lord gives them that power for that season and they submit to the one true king. But the system of man and the calling that God has for us is that we need to be reminded that our king does not abandon us. That our king does not let us down. Our king cannot be voted out of office. Our king has everything at his disposal. Our king is the good king. Our king watches over his people. And he has our very best interest in mind. Our king doesn't lie to us. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't take advantage of the system for personal gain. Him nor his son Jesus does that. And I know it's easy, church, like what I said, to get caught up in this system that we are in right now and in this season. And some of you might go to bed worried about the future. But I'm telling you, you don't have to worry. Because as much as man wants to exercise power over us, God's people are free. They may bind us, but God's people walk free because they are operating in a different kingdom. We have to keep that mindset. Sure, the country could turn out even worse. Don't get me wrong. Totally could. But for us, for, for God's people, where's our hope? Who is our hope? My hope is not on a new governor or a new president. That's, that's just... I want to see good policies there, but our hope is in the king. And our job, church, as his representatives on this side of heaven is to invite other men and women into his kingdom. Into his kingdom. Not into our political kingdom, not into our political system, but to invite men and women and say, guess what? Man is going to fail you. They will fail you every single time. This warning that Samuel gives to God's people back then is the same warning that we should have today. The government is not here to save you. I hate to break that to you. I don't know if you woke up this morning thinking, the government's going to help me today. It will fail you. I always love Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan's words. August 12, 1986. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> Guys, we live in a world where you will meet men and women, where their entire hope, their entire world is banked on the political system that we live in. We don't operate like that. Yep, we want what is best. Like what I said, you should vote, you should understand what's happening. Because policies will affect our lives and they will affect our grandchildren, absolutely. But our hope, church, our hope and our security and our future is not found here. Our future is with our king. And Samuel gives this warning and he's like, you want to, you want to put your trust into man's system? Go ahead. God said, go ahead. Watch that play out for you. Watch it fizzle away. And this is why you got to understand history. Kingdoms come and go. Man's, man's political system rises and falls. 
Always throughout history. Now, I'm not trying to be all like negative and saying America's going to fall and just, you know, build a bunker. I'm not, I'm not saying that here. But what I'm saying is that if your hope is in this political people or person or party, it will fail you every single time. Our hope, we need to remind ourselves in this season, when you go to vote, vote for the best possible candidate, do your research, understand what is happening, realize, you know, like think through that process. There is right ones and possibly wrong ones out there, but think it through. But when you go to vote and when you fill in that line, I want you to be praying and thinking, Jesus, you are my king. Jesus, I'm going to do my part here. I think my voice still counts sometimes, maybe. I hope. But Lord, you are the king of my life. You are the Lord of lords. And Lord, you hold these politicians. You have given them power. Lord, you reign over every single one of them. You have ushered in seasons, good and bad. But Lord, I trust in you. Church family, that's, that's my heart for us in this season. Is for us as God's people to recognize he is our king. And for us to like tell and remind each other of that. Like, he's the king, Jeff. I have to like tell m- m- myself this because I'll be listening to some talk radio and getting all worked up some days. I'm like, Lord Jesus, you are my king. Lord, I'm going to always speak out against evil. I'm going to always preach your word and your truth. But at the end of the day, church, who's our king? That's my challenge for us this week, especially in the midst of this season that we are currently living in. And I just want to encourage you today to remind you today who your king is and who you can put all of your hope, all of your faith, all of your trust in. Because when this life ends, when we pass from this life to the next, we're going to stand before our mighty king. And I want him to be looking at us and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want his church to be able to be faithful to him. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to pray for you today. And I ask the worship team to come back. And I want us to sing and declare one more song this morning here. But I want to pray for us this morning. Father, as we look to your word, Father, I think the challenges that you gave to your judge and your prophet and your priest Samuel, Lord, apply to our lives as well. Father, help us to be people that honor you. Father, help us to be people who trust in you. Father, I do pray, Lord, that you will give your people wisdom in this season. But Lord, my prayer for my life, for their life, so we recognize daily that you are the king over us. Father, we come, we submit our will to yours. We desire to honor you in all that we say and do. Father, remind your people today. Lord, I thank you that you are a gracious and good king to us. Father, I give you praise now and I ask this now in Jesus' name.